0: This is The Fray Podcast, brought to you
1: by thefray.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I
2: want, this is what I need, if you don't have to go, I can set you
1: Today's podcast is a conversation with holistic psychologist, Laura Corcoran. Laura and I are speaking specifically about the difficulties that can arise when a relationship is strained between mother and daughter. We do also speak about um, the relationship with fathers as well, but this conversation centers primarily around the mother wound. Now, it's such a big topic. There's no way we can get absolutely everything into one conversation. But I'm hoping that today's episode helps to bring you some reassurance. If for you, you are struggling with the dynamic with your own mum, to reassure you that many people do struggle with this. I also think this conversation will provide you with some tools that you can use to start your healing journey as well. Laura and I didn't get a chance to get too much into how important it is to have compassion for our mothers as well. So it's something that I wanted to touch on here in the introduction because it's been really profoundly helpful for me in navigating my own um, difficult relationship at times with my mum is to really lean into compassion for perhaps how her reality was in raising children. Also just understanding thirty years ago, forty years ago, twenty years ago, I mean, even ten years ago, like we're just we're making so much progress in our understanding of emotional intelligence and how important parenting is. You know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, conscious parenting wasn't really a thing. People didn't understand how much our childhood beliefs shape the way that we show up in the world. So our parents, you know, back then when they were parenting us, they were just doing the best that they could. And I know in my situation, my mom had three children so young. She was a baby having babies. And so there are things that have come up for me that I've found really hard to understand and make space for, but choosing to really see things through a compassionate lens and understand most people are just out there doing their best is really, really helpful. Now, of course, there are going to be some people that have really upsetting and really super traumatizing experiences from their childhood or even at present day where they feel like, no, no, my mom is definitely not doing her best. And I would encourage anyone who's feeling triggered by this topic to seek some extra support and extra guidance, but to also really truly listen to the wisdom that Laura shares in this conversation about how to start your own healing journey and about how to take responsibility For your individual self, and Laura explains it so much better. There were a couple of questions that we didn't really get to in today's conversation. Things like how to explain to children if you have a strained relationship with a parent, you know, how do you tell your kids that it's hard for you to be in the same room as one of your parents? And so I've not forgotten (laughs) that a lot of you want more information on that topic and it's something that I will strive to do a whole other episode on where I speak with another expert on how to really talk to kids about those sorts of topics because I know that it can be really confronting and tricky and you don't you know you don't want to say something that's going to make the situation worse but there's so much good stuff in today's episode We talk about what the mother and father wound is, how it can show up. We speak about narcissistic behavior. We talk about um, when or how, I guess, to create a bit of space for yourself and so much more. Laura is a breath of fresh air. She's such a joy to speak to. Make sure you jump over and hit follow on her Instagram account. The details are in the show notes, but... With all that said and done, let's get into my conversation with Laura Corcoran. Laura, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have another conversation with me about another important topic. So excited. Thank you so much for having me back. When we spoke last, towards the end of our conversation, I said to you, oh, we were going to touch on the mother wound and the father wound, but we just kind of ran out of time because I know like I'm fairly sure this is such a big topic and we could speak about it for hours. So I'm really grateful that you've set aside the time to have another conversation with me. Um, It is such a a big topic. When we talk about the mother and father wound, what is it that we're referring to? Basically...
3: It's very similar, obviously. It's the same wounds, but just gender specific. So it's to do with the father and the mother. Um, and it isn't gender exclusive either. So men can even suffer from the mother wound, and women can suffer from the father wound. So basically, what it is is it's when we're not getting the needs met by each parent when we're younger. Um, so if we're speaking specifically about the mother wound, for example, you know, we're looking for a role model. Um, that is going to guide us down a path of our own self-discovery but if we don't have you know someone who has clear boundaries can emotionally regulate very well is very confident in who they are has navigated their own healing you know which is a lot to ask for someone who often a lot of us haven't even done that like I didn't start it up until about six years ago you know and I'm nearly 40 now so it's, it's something that's really difficult when we're wanting these things from our parents, like getting our emotional needs met, to feel safe and heard and accepted for who we are rather than the projection of all the fears that our parents have. You know, like I've definitely projected fear onto my daughter, um, more so than my son because, you know, as we just discussed before we jumped on the podcast, there's a 13-year age gap between both of my children. So the way that I've parented them is very different Um, So I have no doubt that there's going to be a mother wound attached to my daughter. Um, But it's not about blaming yourself or your parents, which is so disempowering. It's just about meeting them where they were at. And this is what I feel this podcast is going to be great for, is like really understanding what that is about so that we can take control back of our own identity and our own emotions that weren't met when we were younger. You know, that role modeling that we really needed to step into being seen and heard and accepted for who we are, the authentic version of us rather than being moulded by this conditioning and this intergenerational trauma that often happens. You know, we're talking about grandmother to mother to daughter and then we cycle that through to our children as well if we don't become aware of it. So I think this podcast is going to be very informative to so many people and give them the power back into being able to control that now.
1: Yeah, when I popped a little sticker up on Instagram just earlier this morning on this topic, I thought, oh, perhaps I'll get a few people sharing their thoughts and feelings on the mother wound before we sit down to record. And it will just give me a bit of insight into how other people think and feel. And the volume, like the volume of replies Mm. and the range of replies has just been overwhelming just in such a short period of time. And it's just, I guess, really brought my awareness to the fact that it seems like Mm. we all kind of have a, a parent wound it's just to varying degrees some people have responded about their upbringing whereas other people have responded about really recent interactions it just seems so broad but it seems like we all you know again to varying degrees do carry a bit of trauma surrounding our relationship with our parents yeah absolutely um, and I don't think
3: a lot of us are, are, are aware with it because we're so used to it. It's the normal. So it's kind of like, the thing is, is when we've got a mother wound as well. And a lot of the clients that I've worked with and something that I definitely experiences is, is, we then project onto other women. So this is something that happened to me specifically with my ex-partner's mother. Um, so, you know, looking back now, it was a really beautiful journey. But what I find is a lot of clients come to me and similar to me with my story is that we struggle to gain relationships with other women in our life because we lack trust. You know, we're still seeking that safety and that nurturance and that needing to be loved. But because we have these beliefs already around women, um, it's really hard to gain that. Um, And what we often find is that we're being re-triggered um and when we're not kind of aware of these triggers what happens is is that they become really overwhelming and we start projecting outwardly to other people in our lives friendships mother-in-laws whoever it may be when really it is a part of the mother wound so if we can heal that we can then have these beautiful relationships with so many women in our lives
1: yes because if you're carrying around this you know um, inflamed wound specifically mm-hmm. related to females you are going to be on the defense and rather than give other women in your life the benefit of the doubt you're going to believe it as proof because your brain's like oh, I, I believe this to be true already so give me all the proof so you're going to be looking for that evidence to, to prove your brain right like to Absolutely. prove your belief right I should yeah. say which is a really awful way to live it's a really awful way to move about always feeling like you kind of have to be on the defense
3: yeah because you're not wanting to feel what you felt when you were younger you know we've still got these inner children within us that are seeking the love and seeking the approval and seeking the attention and seeking the safety and the regulation from women but because we have these safety mechanisms in place that are subconscious we keep recycling the same coping strategies not realising that it's actually deflecting the relationship and the healing that often, you know, we spoke on the last podcast that these people come into our lives to be amazing teachers. But when we're stuck in that fear-based state and resentment and guilt and, you know, blame, it's really hard to heal that wound when you're not able to see it. Um, So while we're speaking on the podcast today, I'm hoping that, you know, people can get some inner perspective on knowing that when they're being triggered by other women, it's a chance for them to look inward and really feel into what's coming up for them.
1: And that's obviously an important thing to heal in terms of being able to then establish and maintain healthy relationships with women. But I also I also think it's worth touching on, I guess, and I'm sure we will, but when we do start to heal that mother wound It's just really healing for us as individuals and this was only really brought to my attention Laura when I was going through a divorce and I wanted to be really aware of I guess just trying to support the boys in the best way possible and this is a Mm. long way to get to my point but I'm I'm hoping I'll make sense but when I was trying to get support for the boys and I was speaking with a a children psychologist and doing my own reading and research and whatnot one of the things that stood out the most for me was the boys are going to really be so perceptive to any language that their dad or that I use about the other parent because they inherently believe they are 50% mum and 50% dad so if we are all walking around with this inherent belief that we are 50% of our parents or whatever it is whatever the percentage is and we have so much hate and anger and sadness towards one of our parents even if we feel like oh we feel that way towards them do we really feel that way about ourselves like is that's what I'm trying to get to like if if my kids would be so hurt because any tone of me talking down about their dad would make them feel rejected because they believe they are part of him that just made me go Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I can now see why our relate like why my relationship with my parents is so important to kind of look at and reconcile and try and make sense of because I'm only hurting myself at the end of the day if I don't
3: yeah absolutely. does that make sense I, I thought that, that. Was such a yeah long,
0: that was a long way around
3: <laughs> no I love that as well in the way that it was explained because this is what happens is when we do you know any role model we have growing up we create an identity based on these role models So it's almost like even with the mother wound is that we don't actually have our own sense of identity, our own sense of self, because we've been wanting so much to have this approval and acceptance and love from the mother. It's almost like we've identified with the mom or the dad in that way to get it. So it's kind of like if we're not supported to go down our own path and be who we are authentically and, you know, cultivate our own gifts separate from mom and dad, we emerge with the identity of them. So often, you know, like we were just um talking before we jumped on the podcast, is that we then start to cycle through the same patterns. So I'm not sure if you were the same, but I definitely grew up with this notion of I don't want to be like my mom.
1: Oh, and I don't want to be like her. And then it's so confronting when you become an adult and you realize, oh I kind of am a little bit like that right yes. I myself. Like when I started going to therapy and speaking specifically about the dynamic I have with my mom and I was kind of like spewing out all of the things that I find hard about her, I was like, oh, these are the things I hate about myself.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is is that it's because you've identified with the mom, you've created a role yeah. about yourself. And that is the identity of your mom. So the whole process of healing the mother wound is starting to create your own identity, you know. And and I know that you speak into this into your community, which is beautiful. It's about who do we actually want to be, separate from mom and dad? Because it's first of all, it's building awareness around it, you know, not driving from this place of I don't want to be like her, I don't want to be like her because we're just pushing from pain. It's more looking at it from a different bird's eye point, through a different perspective of compassion, empathy for where they were at in their life. It's not condoning that what happened was okay, but it's just understanding that they didn't know any better at the time or they didn't have the resources and the tools to change. But the thing is, is that anyone listening to this podcast or anyone on the healing journey or anyone willing to have an open lens to this means that you have been given the gift to heal it, um, which is magical. You know, you you actually are the one that has been gifted Um, this opportunity to change the cycle now. Um, And, you know, and that's what I always look at everything. It's like people, you know, even me, I remember being like, why is it me that has to be the parent in mine and mom's relationship? Why is it always me that has to hold that conversation to a higher standard? And why is it me that I have to emotionally regulate when I go in or, you know, we wouldn't speak for weeks on end? Um, and why is it me that has to reach out? But it's like, I actually flipped it and was like, it's me because I'm able to hold it. It's me because I've been gifted it. It's me because of X, Y, Z, rather than playing in that victim consciousness. Because essentially, we do just want the mom and the dad to parent us. We really do. That's what I was but just about to say yeah we just want that to happen we want them to step in and give us that love and that protection and safety that we wanted as a child but the thing is is we're not that child now and we've navigated through that for a reason um and I believe people that that have been through the worst of it have the most amazing gifts to share but it's more around on like unpacking all of
1: that now and healing
3: it so that they're able to share it to those around them
1: that was definitely a common thread in the responses and i know just for myself personally my experience and conversations i've had with other friends we get so resentful of our parents mm-hmm. when we feel like we're the ones having to do the parenting and it's like we kind of like want to stomp our feet and be like no like <sighs> you be the grown up like why do i have to mm-hmm. do this and it is frustrating mm-hmm. and it does seem to be just that common thread of like oh I feel like I've always got to be the mature one or you know yeah you feel like you're ripped off in a way because you're having to play the parent
3: yeah and it's so true you know I remember so many arguments and conversations that I had with my mom that I was just like I just want to hear that she's sorry I just want to hear her take responsibility I just want Something from her to own whatever it is that I felt like I went through. But instead, she would deflect and project and be like, you know, there's two parents in this relationship, Laura. You know, I was 16 raising kids and and it was frustrating. I was like, that's not what I'm needing to hear right now. What I'm needing to hear is, I can imagine that would have been difficult for you.
1: Yeah, but you want some validation for your experience. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But what I
1: found was that me
3: longing for that validation was causing me more suffering. Because Mm. I I remember asking myself the question, okay, Laura, if your mom actually did apologize, would it change the course of the events? And I was just like, no, it wouldn't. You know, her apologizing um, wouldn't actually change how I felt. It's not going to rewrite history. No. So I was like, okay, well, it it comes down to me changing it now. And that was the pivotal point for me. Of mom could probably apologize 20 times but would I even hear it you know because mm. what I, you know when I think about it I, I did want the apology but I didn't really I wanted to go back in time and her give me the things that I needed back then so the apology really wouldn't have been received because it's not really what I was needing and I knew that I couldn't go back in time so it was more around the care what can I heal now in me what are the gifts that she's given to me by being that way that I can now shine brighter on my own path and look at her with compassion and love rather than try and fix her and remodel her into this mom figure that I really wanted and longed for.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really clear and helpful distinction to just be aware of. You can get so fixated on like, I want to be seen, I want to be heard, I want to be understood. But is that what you want? Or is it that you wish that you could go back and have a whole <laughs> different experience? And then that you know, that, I guess, reality of going, you know what, I can't, this is my experience. And as you just said, what are the things that I've learned from this? What are the gifts in it? And it can be really Mm. tricky to get to that point. It
3: it can be. Um, I guess the point that you get to is that you don't want this to keep impacting you. So anyone listening, if you feel like this is still impacting you because you're still longing for that relationship or longing for the change, or you see seeing the cycles coming through in your own children because that's definitely what I saw, um, It's these are signs for you now to like have a look at that and feel what is in my control right now that I can start to create changes because the thing is is it's the de-identifying from that, that role model that needs to happen first. It's the awareness. It's the de-identifying. And you're now creating your own identity of who you actually want to show up in the world as You know, and and like I said, what you share in your community with the blueprint as well in the fray is that we get to change that at any point. And it's such an important point is that we actually can recreate our identity in any given moment. It's just these attachments that we're not willing to let go of or that we're afraid to let go of that doesn't allow us to step into that
1: creation of who we are. And when we talk about letting go of attachments and beliefs, I also want to touch on, well, this is one of the things that people ask me to bring up. How do people make peace with letting go of their relationship to their parent if that is the right thing
0: for them?
3: Yeah, I think I think the first step is the willingness, you know, really understanding that, reliving this time and time again for however long it's been is causing you more pain so it's just having the willingness to try something new you know and that can be like it, it can seem like a really big step mm. but it's like okay, I'm just going to have the willingness to step outside of this for a moment I'm just going to be the, have the willingness to just create some space give mom a wide berth for a moment while I'm looking at myself for a little while doesn't mean you push them completely away emotionally or or, or, um, mentally but physically get them out of your energetic field so you can have the capacity to start exploring these different avenues of who you are Um, I've got some beautiful steps um, to share at the end as well for people to start to look into this in a a bit more depth Um, but first I think it comes to the willingness of letting that go and knowing that you're not attached anymore that the you know, the, the trying to recreate this relationship that you long for actually only happens when we start to create that relationship with ourselves, which is something that I've experienced with my mom.
1: There's so much shame, I think, around this topic and this dynamic because, you know, I mean, for, I can speak just for my own personal experience. For me, sometimes shame comes up because it's like, am I unlovable? because I can't mm. make that relationship work, am I inherently bad because the one mm. person who is meant to love me through all really struggles with it. And so yeah. I just wanted to touch on the shame because I think a lot of people will continue to try and stay in that dynamic of, you know, whether it's playing their role in quotes in, in that relationship or continually trying to be the bigger person continually trying to build the bridge not because they want to repair it but because there's so much shame around not not having a strong relationship and so I wondered if you could just speak to the shame on that topic and perhaps maybe we can just reassure some listeners that they're certainly not alone if their Mm. mum isn't their best friend
3: yeah absolutely and shame is such a huge cycle you know, first it comes in with the judgment and then the shame happens and then we recycle back to our coping strategies because it's such an overwhelming feeling. But what happens is, is that these beliefs and these identities you've created to that parent, it's almost kind of like the attachment to that is because you can't fix it, you know, in quotations or make it better, It's you blame yourself for it. So I'm not sure if we spoke about this in the last podcast, but the first eight years, were very in an egotistical state. So everything is about us. So if specifically your relationship with your mom um, was quite dysfunctional back then or, you know, you weren't getting your needs met, you often blame and shame yourself in that moment. Like it's my fault that she's not loving me. It's my fault. I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not smart enough, and this is why she's not paying me attention. And everything comes back to blaming yourself, and this is where the shame happens. But it's realizing when you actually go through the healing path of looking inward that you actually are so separate to your mom. Um, you know, and this was a pivotal moment for me when I read Letters to a Star Seed. I'm not sure if you've ever read that no. book. Oh, my God, it's amazing by Rebecca Campbell. Okay. Um, It gave me a whole different perspective on my relationship with my parents. So basically in the book it tells you how you're stardust and we actually choose our parents to birth through. Um, to learn the lessons and share the gifts that we need to in this lifetime. So for me, it was having a different perspective of, oh, like I actually chose these people. You know, why did I choose them? What is the lessons that I needed to learn through them for me to expand more in my gifts and then obviously share that down intergenerationally to my children and so forth? So what happened in that moment when I actually understood that was like I'm not actually attached to these two people, which sounds like quite Cold or, disassociative. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's like, I love them. You know, I, you know, I adore them. I see them for where they're at, but they're not me. Mm. I actually chose this path. Um, so what is it that I can look at now to see what I can heal? So when I did that, I thought, oh my God, I don't actually owe them anything. I don't, because what I was finding is I was trying to fix my mom and protect my dad and emotionally hold everyone's needs together. And when I was like, it's exhausting, like I'm trying to fix my mom. So she steps up into that self-led empowered woman that I wanted her to be. So then I could be self-led and empowered. And I was like, but instead it was me that had to step into that role first, you know, and there was shame and guilt around leaving mum behind, which is another part of the wound. It's like, okay, well, if I detach from her, that makes our relationship even more further apart. Um, But it's really understanding that we don't owe our parents anything. We're not attached to them. They're actually giving us these lessons for us to amplify who we are. And I think that perspective for me um, dropped the shame and the judgment and the guilt and the needing to fix these two people that I had in my life, the
1: responsibility for me to be
3: who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really profound moment. So if no one's read that book, um, and you are wanting a different perspective, absolutely get your eyes and ears around it. But it is all about this, pers- you know, perspective, perspective, as you know, Kylie, it's how are we still attaching a longing for these relationships? when it comes down to are we actually having that relationship with ourselves? Because as soon as I saw that and started to create boundaries, and that was like really difficult at the time, you know, I'm an English family. So everything was about, you know, when there was birthdays and Christmases, you celebrate together. And I remember my last birthday, I was like, do I actually want to be around my family for my actual birthday? Um, and I knew energetically it was exhausting, especially what, with, with where I was at that year. Um, and I was like, actually, I'm just going to choose to book an apartment at the Sunshine Coast and take myself away to do and be around the people that lift me up and energize me. And I knew because of the awareness, I knew this was going to trigger mom specifically. My dad and my brother, you know, they just us, yep. be like, oh yeah, she's doing her <laughs> own thing. But mom specifically, because she's this, like matriarchal woman. And because she's and thinking be, she's, you owe
1: her that experience too. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. I am your mother. Yeah. The attachment still, um, you know, and I said it in a very loving way. I was like, hey guys, I'm actually going to treat myself um, and celebrate myself by you know, booking some accommodation. I'd love to catch up for dinner next week, but I didn't put a date on it because again, that's fixing. That's me going, okay. You know, feeling bad with the shame and guilt of, okay, can we do it next Thursday at this time? I was like, let's do it next week. And this, it doesn't, didn't mean that that was easy for me. It was just that I was aware of what I was trying to do. I was trying to control and manipulate the situation. So everybody else felt better. And in that moment I chose not to, I chose myself. So obviously there was tantrums from mom which was expected because the inner child comes out there about what about me you know my daughter's detaching from me I'm her mother how could she do this to me there was all that unconsciousness stuff going on yeah um but what I see now is it was actually a beautiful healing process for us because I was able to speak to her after and again I did have to hold that space um but she was like I felt like it was a big fu to me because, and I said, oh, wow, that's really interesting that perspective, Mom. Because I was choosing me in that moment, you felt like I was punishing you. Um, and when I shared that with her, she was like, wow, when you put it that way, mm. you know, of course, I want you to choose you and what's happy for you. But it only comes when we actually start to do that for ourselves. So now there's firm boundaries in place with mom. I'm actually okay with saying, no, I'm okay with not going to all of the family events because I'm not appeasing everybody's needs if it doesn't suit me or my kids. Um, And it's actually created, even though we're not as close, like we're not in each other's pockets, like calling each other all the time or me helping her or her helping me, when I find that we do actually have the conversations when we organically come together, um, it's actually a really deep conversation where we're actually two very separate people, not this mother-daughter um, role. Yeah, um, and
1: that's basically how it can unfold when we start to do the work on ourselves. Because it can just be fraught with so much expectation and projection so and much. resentment. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some
3: not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector
1: Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When it comes to the mother wound specifically, do you have clients come to you and describe it as, you know, my mom is toxic or my mom is a narcissist? And is it often the case that that person is a narcissist and a sociopath or is it more often or not the case that it's just, oh, we've not addressed this mother wound and this separation that needs to occur? I think it's
3: probably both. Um, You know, definitely if there's narcissism or mental health challenges or addictions or anything like that that the mother's been suffering with, there will definitely be a mother wound because the mum can't show up for herself and address her own wounds. So then she couldn't hold that space for her kids growing up. Um, but what happens is is what we do is we try to look for a reason that we were treated so badly. You know, so the labelling gives us that reason, oh, it's because they're a narcissist. We because we want to make sense of it. Of course, of course. Um, and what we're trying to do is is seek validation that it wasn't us. You know, they're a narcissist so it has nothing to do with me but that's that wounded inner child still trying to seek that it wasn't their fault rather than seeing this person as completely separate with their own wounds and their own traumas and the lack of resources to be there for us when we needed them in the most pivotal moments, we're still trying to look for reasons of why they treated us that way. You know, there was another person the other day, and this was a father wound, but they were like, oh, I think dad might be on the spectrum. Do you feel like this is the reason that, you know, I was treated that way and it was just like that's a really interesting perspective from my point of view that you're still trying to seek labels and reasons why you weren't treated that way so you could stop blaming and shaming yourself but it's it's the separation of it it's the separation of you aren't that person what they were navigating through had absolutely nothing to do with you it was just that they weren't and didn't have the capacity to be that parent that we longed for at that moment.
1: I guess a lot of us, and I'm, I'll put my hand up and say I'm this person, but can get caught up on wanting to understand the root cause, find the reason why, so that then we can get to acceptance. But as you have said earlier in our conversation, and I think in our last one as well, you can actually get to acceptance without actually having to know or to assign any responsibility. Because it's just like, yeah. what would acceptance feel like? It's not going to go back mm. and change the past.
3: Yeah, such an important point as well. It's more around, you know, that whole, what I just shared about my mum. If, if I heard that she was sorry or took responsibility, I feel like all this pain would just disappear. Um, but it wouldn't, you know, so it's actually, you don't have, you know, and I know a lot of women have disconnected from their moms because it's too traumatic, too hard, too difficult to try and establish that relationship. And it's just re-traumatizing. So it's knowing that you don't actually have to reach out to them and have a conversation. You can actually heal that by doing the inner parenting on yourself. Um, because right now you have all of these wounded inner children, but it's about coming to acceptance in those moments that you're feeling lonely or you're feeling unheard or you're feeling not seen, where can you actually see and hear yourself and have compassion and love towards yourself in each of those moments rather than try and seek it externally to you? Because it's so disempowering and it sounds so simple, Kylie, you know, especially, you know, something that I do have. If someone had told me this 10 years ago, I would have been like they are off the planet. There is no way. That is
1: Well, I think it's because, right, we kind of think, oh, okay, I want to repair, I want to heal, I want to heal and repair this relationship. So you think a relationship is the space between two people, so I've got to repair what's going on with that second person, whereas I guess what I'm hearing from you, Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's so much less about that second person and the space between you two, it's about what's going on for you as an individual and doing the healing work there. So, I mean, in turn, that's great news because it means you can heal and repair without having to put yourself through for some people that just can't get there for whatever reason, repairing the actual real, you know, that relationship. It's the relationship to yourself is what you need to repair. Um, And that might repair the relationship with your mum in real life and it might not.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's only when that person's ready to meet you. So it could be for me with my mum, for example, it took about 12 months. I know for some people it can happen quicker. I know some people it can happen longer or never at all. But it's being okay with that. It's being okay that when you stay in your own lane and you're healing yourself because you've got to remember if your mum isn't in the healing work or is so resistant and so fearful basically because they've created this identity of safety, that when you meet them and you're in this healing phase, you are so triggering for them, you know, but they're not willing to see that you're being this beautiful reflective mirror that can help them heal the wounds, but instead they're still projecting, which then again can unravel some more trauma for you. But again, in those moments is like, okay, there's obviously more here that I need to heal. There's obviously more coming up for me here, but it's, if the relationship is still really strained and difficult, this is where I would absolutely recommend anyone to give that a wide berth Um, because you need to come in and do the inner work first um, to really understand what's going on for you and heal those inner children within you when this stuff comes up. Even, you know, if you've not spoken to your mum for a while and you long for that relationship, it's like how can you come back inward and give that relationship to yourself? You're still creating this attachment to this person that you're longing for, and it's coming back and asking yourself, what is it about that relationship that you're missing? And is there any aspect of yourself that you're actually not showing up in that space too? Mm.
1: And how can people continue along their healing journey? What are the things that you suggest? Like, do you have specific tangible
2: resources
1: yeah. or actions that people can take
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's multiple ways that we can work through this. Um, you know, and and I do recommend for anyone that's navigating this, especially if it's traumatic and you don't have a good support system around you to get one. Um, it's not something that we should be traveling alone, especially when the sabotage that comes up and the ego comes up. Um, but ways that you can start to heal the mother wound is I've written 10 steps. So I'm hoping, that this resonates with some people. You don't necessarily have to use all of the steps, um, but just start with one because this is the thing is the mind will want a quick fix and to get rid of the pain. Um, But the pain is where the power lies as well. So it's the more that we can feel it and integrate it, the more you regulate your central nervous system around these triggers. Um, So the first step is, like I just mentioned, create some mental space, uh, space for you where you can actually step into this new identity of who do you actually want to be in the world? You know, without this attachment and without this pain and suffering, just play with the idea and get curious about who do I want to be? You know, how is she looking? How is she feeling each day? Does she have any attachments to things? Or is she completely satisfied with being in each present moment and mindful and grateful for what she has right now. This is where you can get to get creative and play, but you need to create the mental space for it because often when we're driven by pain, we're distracting all of the time. Um, So the first step would be create the mental space. Number two is not taking the blame. So like we just shared around, we blame ourselves, we shame ourselves. Ask yourself the question, why am I treating myself this way and sit with the answer? The answer will be given to you, but it's creating that space to receive the answer. You know, it might be because I don't feel like I de- you know, I deserve love. You know, why would I be treated that way? Similar to what you shared, Carly, why would I be treated that way if I, you know, was a good enough person or if I was lovable? Mm-hmm. And this is where you start to see the limiting beliefs that have been created around that to get curious about, you know, whether they're actually real.
1: I just thought I would add to that yeah. one too. There's a, um, I think it's like a journal prompt or a question that I've heard good old Tony Robbins ask people and he says, mm. who did you have to be for your mum or your dad? Who did you have to be mm. to feel loved? And I think that's a really great reflective question because I know for me when I think of that who did I have to be to receive love from my parents I have two mm. di- very different answers like for my mom mm. I had to be a certain way and for my dad I had to be a certain way and I think mm. that just sitting with that and going like why do I think I have to be that way and then how does that show up in my everyday life like why am I carrying that around still I think it's mm. a similar to you know similar to what you're saying there as well Like, why am I allowing myself to be treated that way?
3: Yeah, and I love that. You know, especially when you come back and realize who did I have to be to gain that validation, love and safety from my parents. And for me, again, it was very separate for each parent. Um, Mine was not to be emotional because it triggered my dad because he was really protective. And even though now I see it was coming from a loving place, I shut down my emotions because I didn't want him to be upset. And then with mom, it was not being vulnerable because when I was vulnerable, she couldn't meet me where I needed her to meet me. So I grew up then being this strong, um, non-emotional, disassociative being who was never vulnerable with anyone.
1: Because you were trying um, to feel loved.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I was trying to gain that in a very different way, where now it's the complete opposite. When I am emotional and I am vulnerable and step more into my feminine Um, I receive it. But because I'd created this barrier, um, I wasn't allowing myself to receive the love because I'd created such a strong wall um, around my heart space and around me for protection. So I love the fact that you just shared that because it is so important to gain awareness about who were we actually to gain all of this. And is it still serving you? Mm. It would have served you back then, but is it still serving you now? Because I know for me it wasn't. Um, it was creating dysfunctional relationships you know same cycle limiting beliefs being validated about me not being loved um, sense of lack of belonging there was all of that stuff and I was like okay this isn't working for me anymore how can I change this so just get curious around who have you been showing up in the world as and are you still happy with those you know roles and descriptions and identities of yourself
2: yeah
0: Mm.
3: Um, number three is becoming your own best friend. Um, so, again, we often look for the mom to be our best friend, um, you know, that relationship of having that one person we can always turn to. And, and the thing is is that this can have the opposite effect. So I've got a client at the moment and she's saying how she's been so um, supported by her family. They've become her safety net, but almost to the fact that she can't regulate herself without that. So we can go on opposite ends of the spectrum because, again, she's identified herself and her safety with her mom. So it's either, you know, we can go from one end of the spectrum to the other. So it's, again, even though she's got this beautiful relationship with her mom, it's quite enmeshed. Um, So she doesn't know who she is or how to regulate herself And how she show up in the world without her mother being there with her, um, which has obviously created so much anxiety for her. Um, So now, again, it's about shedding that identity with mom to become her own person. Um, So I just wanted to share that because it doesn't always have to be that the mom has never been there. It it could be that the the, the mom is overly protective as well at the same time, which creates wounds. Yeah,
1: and it's so fascinating because to someone who has a difficult relationship with their mum, they might look at someone who's super close and, you know, quite mm. dependent upon their mum and think, oh, that's the stuff of storybooks. You know, that's what you want. <laughs> you want your mum to know you better than you know yourself and be your number yeah. one supporter. But it's like, no, no, that can come a lot, come with its own kind of yeah. host of other, other things that, you know, other issues and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. It's got challenges. and But I think the perspective is,
3: again, it's like we've created identities on both sides with this role of this person when they weren't showing up as we wanted them to be and with this role of this person who was overly showing up as we wanted them to be. You know, and it's it's it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just this um, dysfunctional way of being brought up.
1: Um, I think that's such a know, good and, point because the mother wound, mm-hmm for a lot of people, I think will be like, oh, you know, abandonment, poor treatment. But for some people, their mother wound could be being so micromanaged by their mother that they just can't think for themselves.
3: Yeah. And when that happens, we don't feel safe in the world, you know, because we've not had this role
1: model. Yeah. Yeah.
3: We've not had this role model that's encouraged us to trust ourselves or to explore the world without being fearful. Mm. You know, um, and that's definitely something that I know that I did with my daughter, but I don't do it with my son. Um, you know, obviously the safety, you wouldn't let them climb up a massive tree and start swinging off the branches without being like, oh, that's probably a bit too high. But allow them to explore and encourage them to walk away as long as they're in, you know, distance and you can see them. Allow them and encourage them that it's okay to, to explore the world and feel safe in it as long as they can still see us. Um But, yeah, becoming your own best friend um, so we don't have this attachment to these roles of there need to be our best friend for us to be okay. You know, what is it that you would want in a best friend and how can you give that to yourself in each moment, Um, which is a beautiful way, again, to explore what is it that makes you happy, what brings you joy, because a lot of people don't know. Um, They're like, I don't know what brings me joy. So it's like go play. Um, you know, and I did this by going to a meditation, trying breath work. This is when I started going to clay pottery classes, you know, the paint and sips, and then just chatting to the woman next to me. Um, you know, it's, it's about being okay to reach out. Um, and I know that I used to have a fear of rejection because I often felt rejected by my parents in multiple different ways. But the moment you actually start to step out of your comfort zone and you, you counteract your limiting belief. Around, oh, you know, you start I, I can't make proof. friends. Yeah, yeah, you start building proof. Like, I can't make friends, I can't communicate well. And then next minute, I'm chatting to this woman at painting and she's like, oh, we should catch up for coffee one time. It dismantles that limiting belief then of I'm not sociable, I can't communicate well. Um, we have to put ourselves out of that comfortable bubble to create change. Um, so, becoming your own best friend. Um, number four is let out the pain. So we need to feel to the depths of the grief.
1: And so many people just and hit stop on the podcast. They're yes. like, no, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> need to keep that shit contained.
3: Yeah. And this was, you know, like I just shared with you, this was massive for me because I didn't feel, I felt emotion, but it was often anger. Um, I didn't feel emotional as in crying Um, and it was only probably a couple of months ago, I went through a grieving process and I have never grieved so hard like that. I was at the beach and I was crying and I was letting it out in the waves. And then I went to a breath work and I full grieved there. And it was just this whole transformational process. And by day three or four, I was a completely different person because I've never actually felt it to that level, but I allowed myself to go there. And again, it can be really uncomfortable, especially if you've packed all of these emotions away. But the reason that you're still feeling them and recycling them into your future is because you've not allowed them to be felt and integrated. You know, you've not allowed that in a child at three, four, five, six, whatever it might grieve the fact that, you know, you felt unlovable, you know, grieving that whole process to the depths of where you need to go and then reparenting yourself and giving yourself compassion and safety throughout that time and space.
1: And it's a scary thing to willingly walk into knowing that you're going to release that pain and you're going to feel it. But something that really helped me was hearing some of Brene Brown's research where she spoke about the fact that if you're unwilling to feel pain to its full extent – you will mm. never feel happiness or joy to its full extent. She was basically saying yeah. you can't just choose to numb one set of emotions and then expect that you can experience a whole other array. Like you've got to go, you know what, yeah. i mean? I'm here, I'm living, I'm going to experience the extreme pain, but then I'm also going to mm. experience the full joy because I've experienced that pain.
3: Yeah, and I love that it's the duality of it. You can't experience the de- experience the depths of joy and love to its fullest capacity if you're not willing to be open to heartbreak.
1: Yeah. So you can you can sit in the middle and keep yourself safe and contained. Yeah. But yeah, the fear of never feeling that full brunt of whatever it whatever it is that exists within you, then yeah. you're cutting yourself off from feeling the full expansion of the lightness and the happiness and the joy that exists as well. Yeah, it's so true. And Brene Bryan had a beautiful quote. I can't
3: remember it verbatim, but it was definitely something like the most courageous people are the ones willing to love because they're open to heartbreak. Yeah. Because it happens. Yeah. You know, it happens. But she's saying the most courageous are the ones that go to the depths of love because it is when you open yourself up completely to love, you know, it's a vulnerable place. But like you said, you, the feeling that you get from allowing yourself to go there, and I can't say that I'm fully open to experiencing it in every minute of my life, but I'm definitely more open and allow myself to feel um in moments you know yes. throughout my day more so than I, I ever was before
1: well I think we have to function as well right you know that we have of to get course. up and we have to make the school lunches <laughs> and we have to you know you do yeah. you do in you know, in many ways have to kind of create that separation and be like okay that exists but I have to now go through mm. the motions and I'll get to that when I get to it but it is just yeah. important that we get to it
3: yeah and it's in those moments when you're with the partner or with a child that you're fully with them That's you being open, present, open to receiving that whole love, being seen, being heard. And I remember that was really uncomfortable for me. I was like, oh, my God, this person's like literally looking at me and fully seeing me. And I feel very uncomfortable. Terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) But it's having that awareness of like this feels really uncomfortable and speaking it. And that's how I started to build it. I was like, I feel really vulnerable right now. And then you get met with, oh, Wow. You know, what is it that's making you feel vulnerable? And then it creates this beautiful conversation, even with friendships. Um, But it's having the capacity to be able to sit in the uncomfortability of it to open yourself up, um, which is really important. Um, Facing reality as it is, and we've touched on this, so the limiting beliefs. There's a beautiful three-step process when you actually recognize what your limiting beliefs are. And if you're not sure what your limiting beliefs are, ask yourself the question, what is it that you wish you were doing? What could you change about your life? And then the second step is what is stopping you or blocking you from creating that? It could be time, fear. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. That's when you start to understand what your limiting beliefs are. The way to unpack the limiting beliefs then is, first of all, you need to get curious about how true is the limiting belief you know, face the reality as it is right now. Then the second step is the counteracting. So when you have a limiting belief, like we just showed about the paint and sip, go and put yourself in the opposite position of what your limiting belief is trying to guide you with. And then the third step of that is positive language. How do you speak to yourself? And this could be a whole nother podcast, like positive language is so powerful, <laughs> Um, you know, so when you're driving along in your car and you're like, I can't be bothered today, I'm really tired, this traffic is crap. All of that is creating your reality. So even though it might feel difficult, how can you switch that language into something more positive? And it has to be relatable to you. You can't, if you don't love yourself at the moment, you can't start saying, I love myself. It might be the fact that you are wanting to build that. So you might change it to, I'm willing to be kind and compassionate to myself today. And then that will build over time.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I mentioned in the blueprint is you can stand in front of a mirror and spout out all of the affirmations in the world, but if you don't actually believe them they're not super impactful Mm. but self-affirming statements so perhaps when you are in the in the car and you're frustrated with the traffic and you're creating this reality of everything's shit you might not be able to go i'm powerful and i'm brilliant but you might be able to go but you know what kylie you got yourself in the car today you did Mm. all of these other things this morning you're doing the best Mm. that you can do in this moment you know, just noticing the things that you are doing and leaning into self affirming mm-hmm. statement, I can imagine is like a bridge towards getting to that positive, more positive self talk and more positive reality.
3: Yeah, and that's when, you know, self-worth and self-love builds. I know for me, traffic used to just drive me nuts. But now I actually use it as me time to listen to a podcast and to expand my mind. I actually love driving in the car now and I actually love getting caught in traffic because it allows me more time and space (laughs) to learn. So now I don't actually notice the traffic at all. But again, it's about that language that you use to yourself. You know, I I get excited when I jump in the car because I don't really have the space when I'm at home because I'm between clients or programs or kids. So for me, the car is me time, you know, and I'm okay with that. So it's just using and flipping that positive language to something that is more affirming to who you want to become. Also with that, it's focusing on love. So if you don't know what love is, it's more focusing on the things that make you feel good in each moment, Um, the things that you are grateful for, um, the things that bring you some form of pleasure, if it, even if it's right, minimal right now, the more you focus on that, it compounds over time. And before you know it, you'll be seeing the things that you're more grateful for, and the things that you're more, um, you know, you, that you love more, and the, the relationships and the conversations that you're having. It will snowball. This is just something that we need to practice, and it's something that you probably know, Kylie, as well. When we started on this journey, it was it was hard. But it was that consistency and being persistent with yourself to keep showing up in each and every moment that has now led us to where we are today. To have these conversations, conversations of expansiveness, which is amazing. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's that commitment to self.
1: Yeah. Well I love I loved in our last conversation when you were speaking about the importance of those stepping stones, the importance of doing the work for yourself. There's no shortcut. Yeah. No. If only there was, (laughs) but then now I
3: see like we spoke about in the last podcast without navigating those speed bumps or challenges, again, I wouldn't be able to feel the depths of the emotions that I do right now. You know, I've never allowed myself to feel that. And without journeying through that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be open to it. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: But just to remind everyone, it's a process and to take each step day by day, don't overpower yourself or do the all or nothing thinking because that's just the mind trying to fix the pain, but we need to feel it. Another part of it is, is seeking external support. And that doesn't mean that you have to go get a therapist or whatever that might be. That's, that's knowing that you can share things with particular people. You might have 10 people in your um, your realm, but there might just be that one person that you know you can share this vulnerable stuff with. And it's just knowing that when you share it with that person that you're seen and heard and held, when we go sharing it with everyone, we often get projected by opinions and fixing and people-pleasing. But it's finding that one person that where you can be seen and heard and held and that's when your healing process starts to unravel as well. Um, And then the last one is to sink into joy and be patient. So find the things that bring you joy. You know, for me... The other day, I actually went to Movie World and went on the Joker ride. My God, Kyla. Was
1: that fun?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was amazing. But the lead up to it, like the whole processing of actually putting myself in that uncomfortable space was terrifying. I had to lean on my breath work and mindfulness and all of the practices that I'd probably not used for a while because I regulate quite well. But it was when I was in that uncomfortable position, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to lean into these practices again to get me onto this ride. Um, But it was the most profound experience and it was so much fun. And my inner child just came completely out, just letting go of that whole control. Yes. And knowing that I was putting my safety into this machine. Um, And I've been on rides before, but the Joker's next level. If no one knows what the Joker is, it's like this, this ginormous roller coaster
1: that you feel like you're on for about an hour um but it was so much fun it's funny that you say that because I took the boys to movie world recently like within the last couple of months and we were going on the scooby coaster and it's quite a scary (laughs) overwhelming thing to line up for this scooby coaster particularly for kids and my my boys are not thrill seekers despite the fact they you know jump off the wall into the pool and whatnot they're pretty safe and cautious kids Mm. and it was really a process to get them onto that scooby coaster the first time Laura and I had moments in parenting them where I was like is the right thing to let them tap out is the right thing to encourage them to move forward and I you know it was just like this whole range of like a roller coaster of emotions for lack of a better (laughs) expression to get them on this (laughs) roller coaster but we did Mm. it and after they did it they were elated and we went on it like four more times that day but it was it was that relying on those stepping stones of other times in parenting where it's like no no i know how much i can push them so for Mm. you it's really i imagine in that moment that's when you were you were leaning on those stepping stones so again back to like not the short not not wanting the shortcut it's like we need to expose ourselves to these situations where we do have to build trust and self-efficacy.
3: Yeah, such an important point because the shortcut would have been to exit the line and go back to comfortability, and I would have been fine just, you know, grabbing a drink and watching my partner go on the ride in that moment. But the whole process when you're queuing for like an hour and a half and you're having to go oh, you've through got so many process options and build it <laughs> and then you get to the front of the queue and there's a delay and you're about to jump on and oh there's just a whole array of emotions that you go through but it was leaning on the fact that I'm safe I'm safe in my body I trust what I'm feeling again that whole intuition versus thought process is like what is the fear here it's a story my body's actually not telling me that it's not okay it's my mind um, so leaning back into my breath to regulate my central nervous system. I even remember standing at the front waiting for the roller coaster and I closed my eyes and there was all this wind and I imagine myself at the beach.
1: Anywhere but here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <And the> way, <laughs> which completely grounded me for me to then understand, no, it's just a story, it's a fear-based story. Um, but the whole point of that is just to make sure you have fond not allow fear to impact you. Um, because it's in those moments of joy that you experience, the pleasure that you've not experienced for such a long time. We take life so seriously that we forget to have fun along the way.
1: Mm. I imagine a lot of people would have chosen to listen to this podcast episode specifically because they were searching for um, answers on how to fix This mother wound, how to repair that bond with their mum, or perhaps even, you know, permission to cut their mum off or whatever it is. But what I'm hearing from you and what I'm understanding is it's so much less about the mum in your life and it's so much more about you, the individual, accepting where you're at and meeting your own needs. um, Yeah. Before any, you know, before you even (laughs) go any, any further than like, oh, what do I need to do to maintain or fix my actual relationship with my mum so that I can, yeah, pick up the phone and talk to her? It's like, no, no, you've got to, you've really got to heal individually first.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And when you build that relationship with yourself first and mother yourself, is when you can create a really nice relationship with your mother if that's what you choose. Yeah. Again, it's like I said to me, it's I'm so separate. Like, yeah, I still call mum and mum and dad but I don't belong to them. It's very different. I don't belong to them. I get to choose my own path. I get to choose my own opinions. And it's very triggering for my family because they don't do that. It's very foreign Mm. to choose yourself because a part of the mother wound is self abandonment. People, please be there for everybody else, but yourself, you know, that's intergenerational in the feminine. Um, But it's when you start choosing yourself as a woman, it's very triggering for a lot of people, but it's just knowing that it's okay.
1: Yeah. And there's so much freedom in choosing yourself. And it also doesn't mean that when you are choosing yourself, you can't have a beautiful bond with your family. It's not one or the other. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: So you get to choose it for you. Yeah. What, what
3: serves you in that moment, which is most important.
1: Laura, where can our listeners connect with you? Because I know that they're going to want to hear more of you. Yes, I'd love to connect. It's one of my highest values. So you can connect with
3: me at her successful mind on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook too, but I offer a lot of value in my stories and teachings through Instagram. So I feel like you'd gain more from that platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've popped your link to your Instagram. In our show notes to make it nice and easy for all of our listeners to learn more from you and learn more about you. So, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. I really appreciate it.
3: My pleasure.
1: Thanks, Kyla.
3: This is
2: what I want. This is what I need. if you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are oh, you go-